what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Leadership GPS, insightful conversations about leadership and what it takes to be successful in today's rapidly changing organizations. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Leadership GPS. This is our ongoing podcast here on TheMesh.tv, where we talk about the art of leadership. We talk about leadership development, skills that both people either in leadership positions or those looking to uh, join in a leadership position in the future may be looking to grow or develop in themselves. Uh, I'm Alan Jackson with the Jackson Group. With me, as always, is Tony Jackson, father. Tony Jackson, how are you? I'm fine. Not father Jackson, as in like a minister. Father Jackson, no, father, no, far from Father, it. as in you know, blood-related father. Fine, so. son. Right, yes. So, uh, so we're here with Leadership GPS. Uh, we've been doing this series for quite a number of months, and we've got a very special surprise today in that this is the first time on this show that we've actually had guests. Right? Yeah, Isn't right. that true? We haven't had guests on the uh, show. We haven't GPS had a single before. guest. Wow. If we did, they weren't good. And, and we cut them out. Yeah, so if you're hearing this show, this means that these guests actually turned out okay, and we actually decided <laughs> to put this online for people to listen to. So we're going to go around to introducing him, them here in just a second, but before we get started, I uh, do you want to tell a couple of exciting things. We do have a sponsor for this month's episode of do Leadership really? GPS. Yep. It was the same one as last month, uh, but we, we just want to keep promoting them up until the actual event uh, happens. And that's the Greater Hickory Classic Golf Tournament going on at Rock Barn Golf and Spa. That's going to be happening October 8th through the 14th. As we mentioned last time, and that's just a premier golf event, premier sporting event in general for this area. Uh, It's amazing the number of people who come to this area to watch this great golf tournament. Uh, Rock Barn Golf and Spa is just a great place to see a golf match anyway. Neither of us are golfers. We admitted that last time. So, uh, But we're great spectators. We love watching any sports right. we can get our hands on. So uh, how about you guys? I know I haven't introduced you yet, but please tell me. Is somebody here a golfer? I enjoy playing, but I'm horrible at it. Okay, so Brian's a golfer, but not very good at it. Yeah, I would do better if I took a gun and a fishing rod with me when I went. <laughs> I, spent, I spent so much time in the wood and the waters, yeah. I'd do better with a gun and a fishing rod. All right, good. But you at least maybe you enjoy going to watch it. Oh, oh I, I, love, I love enjoying well. going, yeah. Good. Great. What about you, Erica, Todd? Golfers? Miniature golf, that's about it. Miniature golf, <laughs> that's more my speed right there. But at the beach. Two or three times a year, might get out there. Okay, so it's but a, a casual tell, golfer. You can probably guess what kind of golfer I am two or three times yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure you're excellent. It's not pretty. Yeah. The higher the number, the better the score, right? <laughs> right That's exactly believe, the way we play. You believe right. that? You'll be a partner for I a lot of I stick to hunting and fishing. <laughs> so the Greater Hickory Golf Classic Tournament coming up October 8th through the 14th. That's happening right here, Catawba County, uh, Hickory, Newton, Conover area of North Carolina. Uh, just thank you so much for your support on uh, supporting many of the shows here on The Mesh for the next couple months here. And I'd like to add to that, too. I mean, this is widely known. I mean, this is known across the country. So we get people coming in from all over, not just the golfers. But we got people traveling in from Canada and all the northeast, southeast, midwest for this tournament. And I think they'll find that the Catawba Valley area, the people who put on the tournament themselves, is so service-oriented and so customer-friendly. They'll just love being here. Yeah, no, I agree. It's a great tournament, a great facility, great location. So it should be a lot of fun. Now, as I mentioned, we have some guests with us today. And let me kind of back give a little background on what we're doing here today. Uh, The Hickory Young Professionals is a group in town that I know all three of you are a part of, and that is a group of uh, young professionals, like the name says, but people looking to strengthen their role as a professional in this area, networking, also getting involved in some other uh, uh, outreach efforts as well. We have the opportunity and the pleasure of coming to speak to your, your group just a few hours ago over a lunch meeting about the topic of leadership. So we thought, well, this will be kind of fun. Let's actually turn the tables and have you guys come join us in our natural setting and talk about the idea of leadership as well. 
Uh, the Hickory Young Professionals, uh, hickoryhyp.com is the website for that if you're interested in learning more about this organization. But with us, we have three representatives from that group. I'm going to go around the table and let you guys introduce yourself. First off, Erica Brown. Welcome, Erica. Thank you. Yeah, good to have you here. A little bit about yourself. I work at Martin Starnes and Associates, and mm-hmm. I'm a senior audit manager. So I work mainly on with governmental audits, but we do all types of services, taxes, consulting, um, nonprofit, for-profit audits. So. Great. What's the uh, website for Martin Starnes there? It is www.martinstarnes.com. Great. And you guys, uh, I, I'm just kind of a little side here. I get your email newsletters and other announcements that your group does, and you guys are just involved in so many great things in the community. So a real good shining star for this area. Great so, place to great. work. Yeah, good. Erica, how long have you been with them there about six years six years mm-hmm. governmental audits right? yes I numbers guess. taxes things like that yes is it really exciting i like it Do you? i like okay. it i'm one of those weird ones i guess weird ones that you're, okay. well then you're in the right job you're in the right field then. Great. all right brian dingler tell us about yourself yeah, i'm a business development manager for clark tire we're a full service auto company here in base out of hickory uh we have 20 locations in north carolina and 20 locations are you serious family owned and operated in 2012 we'll make our 70th year in, or 2013 we'll make our 70th year in business wow, wow. so it was founded so in 1940 doubling the time of the jackson group yeah so we've been around 35 right. whatever 36 yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah we've uh we, we've grown and expanded over the last several years. We actually have our own warehousing. We, uh, we have three warehouses that we own. We sell to all of our competitors. Gee. Uh, we also have our own parts division as well. So uh, as we've grown, we try to keep the – being able to serve as many people as possible but still keep a hometown atmosphere. That's great. Wow. Uh, we love you guys too. So thanks for joining us today. And what, and what's your guys' website? www.clarktire.com. Clarktire.com. Great. And then rounding out the panel, we have Todd Ashworth. Todd, tell us about yourself. Yes, certainly. Uh, I'm a financial advisor here in Hickory, North Carolina. I work for uh, Renaissance Financial Managers. We're a full-service financial firm that we help our clients plan and prepare for uh, anything in their financial future, whether it be retirement or sending your kids to college. If you want to go on our website at www.rfmhickory.com. Rfmhickory.com. Rfmhickory.com. It will expand on all the services that we provide for our clients. We're glad to have you here, Todd. As well, how long have you been with the the firm there? I've been with Renaissance for four, going on four years. Uh, we have three partners, uh, three advisors that work for the firm. Over fifty five years of experience helping uh, clients in Catawba Valley and, and all over the country, for that matter. Uh, we have clients all in in many different states, uh, all over the uh, fifty states. So it's a wonderful job, and just enjoy helping people. Good. Well, we're glad to have you here. Thanks, to all three of you, for joining us today. What we're going to talk about is what we started our lunch conversation over a couple hours ago. And let me recap because I know. Most of our listening audience obviously wasn't there. So let me tell you a little bit about what the topic was. Again, talking about leadership. What we got into a discussion about is this idea of leaders versus managers is really what kind of kicked off the discussion. The concept, we've talked about this on Leadership GPS before, about the difference between somebody being in a leadership role versus what you would consider just a management role, what truly sets them apart as a leader. And Dad, do you want to kind of summarize for us, give us the uh, elevator speech version of kind of what that discussion was about? before we get these guys involved? Wow. Well, I'll try to do a better job of trimming it down and being manageable in time, but I know you'll make me do that. So I'll keep you on track. It's I all know. right. There were a couple of key principles, one of which was understanding the fact that leaders and managers do different things, and it's all behaviorally based. You know, managers manage things and processes, while leaders, it's all about people. And it's about, in our world anyway, Alan, when you talk about our natural environment a while ago, I thought you were talking about we we're wild animals or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but our natural environment here. Yes. Um, in, in our world, though, working with people in a coaching and developmental uh, leadership development type of way, helping people understand that it's about movement of people. And that's what you're really after from a leader. The leader really wants their people to be better than they are. 
and to help them get there. Okay, it's not just overseeing their work. That's a manager's job. It's just not supervising them. That's a manager or supervisor. This is moving people and encouraging them and making sure that they're on a track to be better, get better, be somewhere else in the organization, whatever it might be. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna put Todd on the spot because actually Tony did this to you during the lunch. He's a and kind of made a joke about one of the words that he wanted you to write down. Tony talked a little bit about the word <laughs> reciprocity. You remember that? Right? I'm I not gonna ask you that. to spell it. <laughs> I don't even know how to spell it. But Todd, how about can you can you explain what you understood the concept of reciprocity to be when it comes to leadership and their employees? Well, what I took from what Tony said was uh, a lot about. If you have an employee that is, uh, they need to praise. If they continue to do good work, they they need to be rewarded for that. And that doesn't necessarily mean monetary, but they just need to be appreciated, feel appreciated. Otherwise, they might feel a little less um, inclined to continue to work as hard and, and try to continue to develop if they don't feel like anything's coming back to them. That's right. I think the way, Tony, you were explaining is the whole balancing the scales. Yep. It's just yeah. getting you back give. what you feel you give out. That's yeah. right. If you as an employer are giving something to the organization, giving something to your leader, you want to make sure you're feeling like you're getting something back. In Feeling appreciated in return. That's right. Yeah. That's right. A, sim- a simple thank you or I appreciate what you do is, is yeah. goes a long way. Absolutely, really does. And even as I mentioned in the luncheon too, you know, surveys we've conducted with employee satisfaction surveys and all show that yes, pay and benefits obviously are something employees are concerned about and focused on, but those are not key drivers for whether or not they feel appreciated, whether or not they feel engaged or committed with the organization and how they feel about their leader. Well, it's we talk about, some about yeah. commitment and mm-hmm. I think the commitment comes from from um, that give and take. Um, That commitment is all about the person, not about the job. And if they feel committed as a person to the people they work with, that's where I think you grow. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Because yeah, you're right. We, we've all seen the companies, the places where people, you can tell they're there just for the paycheck. It's very obvious in demeanor, service mentality. Very disengaged. Very yeah. disengaged. And that's because... They're at eight, leave at five, yeah. you know, whatever it might be. That's because they were, they, they're in a job where they are given a certain task to complete. And they are to complete that task. And they are to be given money in exchange for doing that task. And that's basically the end of the engagement. Um, it's very visible to people. Uh, sometimes, unfortunately, though, we've got a lot of companies or employees where it's just that's been their culture for so long. Yep. It's just the paycheck mentality. Can you take can you take an employee that has that mentality that is strictly there that's not committed and a good leader get them make or convince them to be committed to the firm or the company to help grow that practice? Yes, I think a lot of that has to do. <laughs> sure. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I think a lot of it. Kind of elaborate on what you said, Todd. I think a lot of that really has to do with where that employee is with their personal life, also. So that's where what Tony was saying. You need to be on the same level as your employees. Understand who they are as a person, not necessarily an employee. So if you understand challenges that they're having at home, challenges that they're having in their personal life, then it's also going to relay back. It, they tell you to leave your baggage at the door. You know, mm-hmm. leave everything at home. But a lot of times, can't do people it. can't yeah. do that. It's almost impossible. And that's where I think it all goes back to the person. If you understand the person, and and it's not just about the work, and that you, that you care about them, that you're that you want to know, you want their career to further, whether it's where they are now or whether it's at another company, um, yeah. and just caring about them. It's that whole thing about I want you to be successful, mm-hmm. you know, and it, that's a great preface either when giving compliments to people or in giving critical feedback. Now, you raise a good question, though, Todd, and that is what I read into it. Is it possible for every person to become a committed employee? Answer is no. The answer is no to that. Is it possible that some who are not engaged, not committed mm-hmm. through good leadership can move in that direction? Yes, absolutely. But remember the difference in commitment and compliance. 
commitment holds on to something that's bigger than oneself. Mm -hmm. Compliant does what's necessary and only required. You know, so sometimes we think, well, I, I like to ask a lot of our uh, people that we work with, who are your best employees, you know, and listen to the reasons they give for giving that definition of them as a best employee. And it's usually because, well, you can always count on them to do the job. Well, they're here on time or, you know, well, they, they never give you lip back and those types of things. That's that's not committed. You know, the commitment, when you see it in an employee, is where the person takes the initiative to latch their behaviors and their performance on the job to something broader, like the company's mission or serving well, you know, in their job. They, they take it upon themselves to say, well, that's what I'm latching on to. It's not just doing the job. Mm-hmm. Okay. So is it, let me ask you a question in return, Todd, or all, all three of you. But is it okay these days if you have an employee who simply, quote, just wants to do the job? Is that okay with you guys? No, I don't believe so. Well, okay. You might want to think about that, but go ahead. How about him? Well, I think some people are just like that, and that's where they want to be, and that's where they're comfortable. They don't want to be in the leadership position. They want to to do their job and do their work, and that's where they're comfortable. But as a leader, I don't think it hurts to try to take them out of their comfort zone and to help them um, to do other things okay. and to be more of a leader themselves. So what if you try your best as a leader, Erica, and they still simply say, hey, I've got a life outside of work. This is not my life here at this place. I do my job, but that's it. Is that not okay with you? I think it's I think it's, it's, yes or no. <laughs> I think it would bother me. I think it, it probably depends me. on your role in that company. Um, I know that sounds probably short-sighted, but um, if you're simply there to – and. Don't get me wrong. If you're answering the phones for a company, it's an important job. And it's not just answering phones. You can answer the phones with enthusiasm yeah, and make yeah. your clients or customers feel welcome. And that is going beyond just your commit or your compliance of so just simply answering the phone. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think right now with so many people looking for jobs, no, it's not okay. There are plenty of people out there willing to go above and beyond and not just compliant. They actually want to build something, build a career, build uh, a career path that they're probably lined up at the door. Maybe they haven't knocked on your door yet, but they might be coming for your job. So mm-hmm. maybe you do want to go a little bit more or a little above and beyond. Okay. That was one reason I was trying to kind of elaborate on that is many people that are looking for work. If you have a job, value it. Uh, but most of the time, most people, could, just like you say, they consider it a job. Yeah. And a lot of times leaders or managers consider them an employee. One of the biggest things that I see what I, where companies work well, because I deal with a lot of outside companies sure. with our, you know, in my industry, uh, that's not just Clark Tire. You know, anybody that considers their employees, their team mm-hmm. versus their employees, you'll see they do, there's a lot more, you know, it's, a, it's an easier going environment. It's not yeah. as tense. I mean, it's, it's obvious, isn't it? Yeah, it's an, it, mm-hmm. you can really see whenever somebody considers themselves to have a team, mm-hmm. not a group or not a, a, a so-called hierarchy. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to challenge you on that, okay? okay? Ryan, not on that point, but yeah. on this whole idea about what we expect from people and what we tolerate from people and what we encourage from people. Um, the, the workforce today is different. You know, there are people who do a really good job of separating work from home life and those others who don't. You know, it used to be years ago, the person who says, well, I want to get ahead, I want to be a leader, that means I work longer hours, you know, my whole life's been here and so on and so forth. That's not the way anymore. So let me ask this question. Can you demand excellence of people? Demand excellence of people. You can demand them to to at least strive for it and try to achieve it. I think demanding perfection is a little different, but okay. demanding excellence from somebody and having them at least try for it. That's one thing I had a, a, a mentor of mine growing up. One thing they always told me, it doesn't matter if, and, and my, my parents, you know, kind of retrospect the same thing. If 
you are a CEO of a company or you're the janitor. You know, if you're sweeping the floors, be the best floor sweeper on the, you know, that there is. You know, that's one of the biggest things is when you go to work, you're going yeah. to work, you're earning. That's your livelihood. Yeah. So not only are you representing your company, you're representing who you're working for, you're representing your family. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're taking care of your family as well. Yeah, okay, you had a thought about that, I think. When we were talking about team, I just wanted to mention we, um, I, as I said, I did governmental audits, but we work a lot as a team. We have a very busy audit season, and the same goes for the tax side of our business. You have a very um, large team as well. We we start as a team and we finish as a team. Mm-hmm. And when I first joined Martin Starnes, I was told that, and you know, you can be told things, but until you actually see it, that's when you really believe it right and um i've said this many times but i actually saw that one year when it was october 15th and our big deadline is october 31st Mm -hmm. and myself and my two kids uh both came down with a swine flu so we were at home on the couch and a lot of times you can make yourself work but at that Mm. you i could not Mm. um and i mean they were telling me i mean stop stop calling stop worrying we got it and to know to have that actually happen to me um and to be able to give back and help others when things like that happen Mm. um there's no i and team we, yep. we always yeah. preach that and i just think that's a good concept and and helps people feel more a part of it and become um more committed well, you know that's that kind of reciprocity process in reverse mm-hmm. you know they gave to you more than you thought you were getting at the time so you're, you're now inclined to give back right you know you, you you're more committed than you were before that event probably mm-hmm. i'm sure you've always become an employee but i guarantee you that sentinel event where they said look we got your back don't worry we care about you all right, first. Right. That says a lot. Yeah. says a lot about the company. Absolutely. Yeah. So let me toss it back over to you to answer the question you posed. Yep. Is, is it possible to – should you demand excellence or require excellence from employees no. as a leader? No. no. Okay. But you can you, – the only thing you can require from employees is that they do the job. That's compliance. Mm-hmm. But every leader is, should be skillful at encouraging, as Brian was saying, encouraging, trying to draw out that excellence. But you can't hold that person at fault if they choose not to be excellent if they're doing the job. If they're doing the job. You know, I mean, that's, that's, okay. that's that a sad sense. state. That I don't sense. like to work around people who just do the job. But, you know, but if we define the job well, mm-hmm. and for example, in, in the customer service topic end, you know, or answering the phone that you were talking about a moment ago, Todd. Right. If we say your job is to answer the phone with good customer service skills, you're to have a smile on your face, you're to answer it this way, you say these things, you say thank you, and let me, all those types of things. That becomes the expected job. Yes. So you're really building in excellence to the expectations of the job to that degree. Then you can say you're not performing the job if all they're doing is simply answering the phone and not yeah. paying that customer service right. slant right. to it. So it is building that expectation. A leader has to be the one to say, this is what we expect from you in this job. If they want every job to have that excellence level to yeah. it, you got to build in that expectation. Otherwise, you, you, like you said, you can't fault somebody for doing the job that they were told to do and they signed on to do. See, I think that's a mistake that a lot of organizations make. <clears throat> they define the jobs at the minimally acceptable mm-hmm. levels of requirements. Exactly. Do this. This is a standard, you know. And so a person, unless we are good at leadership in that type of organization and helping to manage people's attention, you know, that's one of the things we said that uh, Stephen Covey said in one of his books is that managers or leaders manage four things. They manage people's attention to the right things and they give everything meaning, you know, why it's important. Those are great roles for a leader to play, you know, in addition to managing themselves and managing trust. But if we define the person's job at a higher level and then have them comply mm-hmm. with what's there. Right. They're right farther along the track, you know, towards. I think that's a, I think that's a really good point. Uh, us as the Hickory Young Professionals, we, uh, 
a few months back, we actually had a another breakfast meeting, mm-hmm. and uh, a lady named Patricia Elmore from CenturyLink had mm-hmm. came out and had kind of gave us a presentation on how to lose a customer in ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. and wow. yeah. I, I really took heed on this. I really I enjoyed the, the topic of conversation because one of the biggest things that she brought up is you know, which is the same way that that I personally feel with the company that we're part of. You know, everybody in the everybody in the company or everybody on your team is working to it's a service oriented company they are providing a service to a customer mm-hmm. so it doesn't matter who the person is they take care of the customer it doesn't matter again ceo to the janitor mm-hmm. if you ever walked into a department store or walked into a deli and you walk in and you you can just tell that there's somebody there you know what do you want how can i help you mm-hmm. you know you go in and if maybe it's your first time there and maybe they're just having a bad day or maybe that's just that's not their job sure you know sure. and you know if it is even if it isn't their job their job is to is to run the books in the back mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. you know but they walk in somebody's there that's their first impression that's what they see so if you come in and somebody's just average with you or they are mediocre and they could you can just tell you people have a sense when people you can understand yeah. nobody don't wants to be there somebody doesn't want to be there well, let me even put that one step further yeah. now I'll, I'll toss it over to Erica's side of the fence on you know from the accounting world that type of thing and most people think okay well that's straightforward it's numbers and you know it's dry and all sorts of things but it's not it's not you know numbers only represent things you know and values and and to people I knew that we worked a lot of accounting firms over the years and the ones that impressed me are the ones who don't come in with all the answers but they come in with the right questions mm-hmm. and make me feel a part in that process of managing the financial resources of the company whatever it might be that we're after there they'll do a lot more asking than telling they'll mm-hmm. do a lot more inquiring and trying to understand Stand us as a company before just running the numbers. So that's that's that extra level that comes from a committed person, even what could be seen as a very static type of job responsibility. And these are all things that are enforced at that leadership level. I mean, yep. none of this is possible, that kind of service mentality and culture, if leadership isn't setting the tone and the expectations of what they want people in their company to do. Yeah. So it really is back to this old day of movement. It's Leaders have that task of saying, this is where we have to create the expectations. This is where we want our organization to be. And we want to make sure we've got the right people listening to the right things, doing the right things every day to get that. Yeah. So when you talk about accounting, it's just some people think it's just the numbers and you're just counting. And, and that's not what it is. And, you know, any accountant can run the numbers. Um, but I think it to have a good accountant, a good auditor, a good tax preparer, it's about getting to know the person. It goes back to that, knowing what they need yep. and all the background. And you can get an answer. You're not going to know the answer right offhand, but by gathering that information, you can get that answer and to help that's that person. It's a relationship. Well, yeah. It's the relationship. That's, that's um, yeah, it goes back to the Pete. communication. But I learned, I went to a leadership seminar a couple of months ago that was put on by the Young CPA Cabinet mm. through the NCACPA. Mm-hmm. And there was a lady that talked about communication. And the one thing that she said that has stuck with me is if you kind of figure out what level of energy that you have and how happy you are, and some people have good days and some sure. people have bad days, but if you can just leave that person, whoever it is, like you said, whether it's the janitor or whether it's the CEO of a company, one or two steps higher than where you started that communication, mm-hmm. you're going to make their be- day better and they're going to remember you. And yeah, I've tried great. to take that nice. to every aspect of my life. And that's I a very easy thing to grab a hold of mm-hmm. and, and visually see you know, in your encounters. So that's great. Well, I'll also like what you said, you know, it's not more you, because that would be, you know, my aspect or, or my mindset of an accounting firm. You're right, just numbers. But if you look at it, it doesn't matter what your business is. People choose to do business with people they know, like, and trust. Sure. 
Sure. And numbers are just a representation of relationships, exactly. and that's really what it is. But y'all remember, too, what we said in, in our presentation and remarks earlier, that, and it goes back to what Eric is saying. If you don't leave somebody better off than they are or a little bit better of a person, you're probably not a leader. You know, yeah. That's the effect that leader has. It makes people better, mm-hmm. you know, no matter what it is, at the job or as a person, how they view life or whatever it might be. I've always held the opinion that you know, when we have elected officials, especially even on up to the president of the United States, I mean, I don't look for those leaders to be necessarily the smartest with these technical skills all the time. I want somebody in a leadership role that's going to inspire us and help us move forward. And I think that's, it even comes down to the company level too. Sometimes you see organizations, they bring in a leader and you think, well, that leader, that person doesn't have all this years of experience in this certain field or maybe all these technical skills to it. But their challenge is to come in and motivate, inspire, and move that company forward, set the tone for the rest yeah. of the group. And I think that's the leadership role's number one job. Well, let me give you a broader scenario that I heard once I really like. And despite anybody's politics, Republican, Independent, Democrat, whatever, doesn't matter. But Bill Clinton mm-hmm. was interviewed one time, and this was after he was out of office. And I don't know who the national interviewer was, Barbara Waters or whatever. But the question was asked, said, Mr. President, what was your most important job as leader of the free world? And without missing a beat, Clinton looked at her and he said, to translate the vision of where we all want to be so that everybody can be a part of it. Yeah. Translation. Mm-hmm. That, you know, communicate it, translate it, yeah. relate people to that. I mean, that's what it boils down to. You know, get people latched on to something much larger than themselves. Seeing the big picture. Yep. Much like many CEOs out there, they don't have the skills to run the company, oh, yeah. or not necessarily run the company, but to oversee the different departments. Or They can't necessarily they have, go down to the rank and file and do their job Exactly. They don't know how to do those yeah. things. But they can, they can motivate, they can inspire, and, and build the culture that they want in that company. That's right. I'm going to shift our gears just a little bit. I think we're, we're, we're having a great conversation here, but I'm really wanting to hear some uh, – I've got some questions for you guys about some things. The, the whole fact of Hickory Young Professionals is the fact that you know, it's a group of 40. Is that the cutout? 40 and 21 to 40. 21 to 40. 21 to 40. Okay, so I just missed the beat a few months ago. So, yeah. um, I missed it about 25 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now. You're not a day over 50. Oh, no, right. Yeah, thank you so much. You've got points, everyone. I'm 65. Soon to be 66. <laughs> well, what I'm going to do when I come back from the break, and I want you guys to think about this for a little bit, I want us to talk about challenges that keep us – possibly or could be keeping us from reaching that full leadership potential. And especially if there's some things with today's society, uh, things that may be a little different with technology and different styles of communication out there. Are there some things that are challenges for any of us, whether it's us in our own positions or people we know or people we've had contact with that can sometimes prevent us from being outstanding leaders or things we just need to watch out for as we get tripped up on? So just put that in your brain for a second while we take a quick break. Uh, you've been listening to Leadership GPS so far on TheMesh.tv. We have with us guests from the Hickory Young Professionals. When we come back, we'll join them again and finish out the conversation. Uh, so stay tuned. The Greater Hickory Classic at Rock Barn is already building an exciting field for its 10th anniversary. Great names in golf such as Nick Price, Bernhard Longer, Fred Funk, Mark Kalkovecchia, Kenny Perry and Jay Haas have already committed for the 2012 tournament. Also among the early commitments are past champions Craig Stadler, Gary Hallberg, and 2011 champion Mark Wiebe. Find out how you can join us October 8th through the 14th for the 2012 Greater Hickory Classic by visiting our website at www.greaterhickoryclassic.com. Hello and welcome back to Leadership GPS. Again, I'm Alan Jackson. 
with Tony Jackson and three of our guests from the Hickory Young Professionals here in the area. We've got with us, let me make sure I've got all the names because I don't want to say somebody's name in wrong again like I did the first go around. Uh, Erica Brown we've got, we've got Brian Dingler, and we've got Tad, Todd Ashworth. See, I almost stumbled up on your name again, Todd. That was just a t- pure tongue twister there. Well, so. let's just lie. Todd, yeah. if it didn't have so many letters in it, he'd do <laughs> We're just going to start abbreviating it. Todd A. Yeah. So anyway, we were talking before the break about you know the style of leadership versus being a manager and a leader, uh, what a leader's true role is, and, and moving an organization forward and setting the right tone for service and the culture. But what I really wanted to do, since we've got the three of you here representing the younger generation of, of professionals and leaders here in our area, is to talk about where we see some interesting challenges, whether it has to do with the generation gaps or not. To me, it's this whole idea of you know we've got different styles of leadership out there, different age groups, people leaders. Do you guys see some challenges for the younger generation of leaders, possible obstacles or stumbling blocks keeping them or could be keeping them from being really strong leaders in the future? I think a lot of it relates to technology and the iPods and the computers and and the way that um, school and colleges are run. It just seems like they're not um, students aren't pushed more to communicate face to face. And and that's a I mean, you can see we all probably have our iPods or, you know, droids or whatever we have. and, And it's hard to put that down sometimes and just to talk to somebody and sometimes you just need a reality check and um my husband and i joke but we say okay it's time to disconnect like put it down and we just need to talk and i even get myself wrapped up in that so i find that as a challenge well what do you think the danger is that is in that the use of technology for communication what's the danger from a leadership perspective how does this affect positively or negatively leadership styles the reliance on technology for communication well if you take a look at generations at work if you have a younger manager or younger leader mm-hmm. and they are overseeing or you know or part, members of their team are possibly in the the baby boomer generation okay. getting ready to retire you know uh, tony if you had uh, i'm there if you had uh, <laughs> not not to call you out you know um, but you're doing that right <laughs> you just lost those points exactly, <laughs> exactly. um you know uh, 40 years ago if you had well. something needed, if you had something that needed to get to New York, yeah. if you had a business that you were contacting in New York, sure. you licked an envelope, you put a stamp on it, sure. you sent it there. So yeah. how long did it take? It took several days. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we're really living in a microwave society. I mean, how many people just stop the microwave three seconds before it's before it mm. goes oh, off? Yeah. You know, well, you can't wait the extra three seconds. <laughs> yeah. So if you take a look at it now, if a conversation needs to be had or if a document needs to be sent. You know, you're talking about with your droids and iPod. You can do it going down the road. You shouldn't be, but you can do it, you know, from anywhere, anywhere, anywhere in the world. Well, a lot of times that comes across, I mean, you read it wrong. You can't read feeling. Exactly. You exactly. can't. Exactly. I mean, even exactly. on the phone, you can hear feeling, but you, you can can't read feeling. You can what is typed or And I've an experienced, that many, experienced that many times, and I've tried to um, talk to other staff, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people about that. And you just really have to be careful. And you don't want an email war because you're thinking different things. And if you just picked up the phone and talked or met with that person, Person. Do you see that kind of communication breakdown happening when, when technology has tried to be used spanning generations? In other words, somebody in their 20s saying, I'm going to communicate this way using this medium. Somebody in 40s, 50s, 60s doesn't know how to, how to respond to it or work with it as well. Is it more of a cross-generation or does it happen within the same generation? I see, I see, it. I see it everywhere. It's just a way out. Yeah, I think I think it, it it I think it goes many generations. You know, mm-hmm. you know, 
20 to 30s, 30s, 40s, it spans all generations because you're not getting that personalized conversation. That person, if you go to an employee and you talk to them and mm-hmm. maybe you're talking about what's going on at home and you get a better understanding and in the same conversation you might be asking about some performance, but they, they get an understanding if you care. If you type a quick email and shoot it out, there's no, no telling how they're going to interpret that. And they might miss the whole message that you do care about them, and they're just not receiving that. I think your challenge, what you were talking about, our challenge as younger professionals, if you take a look at some a baby boomer born mm-hmm. in the 40s, mm-hmm. okay, most people that were born in the 40s, especially if you were born in the South, you, know, you may not have had television. You possibly had a telephone, and it mm-hmm. was on a, on a a community line, you know, it was all one line. Um, but you got to think about the process and how tra- how technology has really kind of transformed our lives. You know, we went from the 40s and 50s of people actually having telephones in their home and then going to television right. and then going to color television sure. and then working their way up to microwaves. How many, I mean, how many people in their 50s and 60s waited 15 years to get a microwave? Sure. You know, I mean, it's just. It's I remember te- when we got our first It's not time. that long ago. Yeah. 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 You know, it's, I remember that. It's about the size of the Buick. A lot of times they're scared of new technology. Sure. Well, take a look at us and how we've grown up. What have we seen? We've seen the transformation of the internet, the yeah. personal computer, the, the, the laptop, the, you know, now, the, tablets, the iPhone, I mean, the tablet. I mean, you know, think about how fast technology has changed. It's, we've been used to all of this change in technology, so it's something we've just adapted and learned to, to kind of cope and work with. A baby boomer or even somebody in, you know, the, the Generation X has, you know, that's things that were at a slower pace. It took yeah. a little bit more time. So naturally, new things, people... A little bit yeah, more. Naturally, yeah. you know, people with new things are, are first of all, it's just they're, they're skeptical. You know, sure. They're going to wait back. They're going to hold back. So you, I can see where your challenge would be, you know, if you've got something brand new. And today, business moves with the rapid, you know, as rapid as technology does. Yeah. You know, if, if you're not first, you're last. I mean, that's kind of a very bad way to look at it, but that's how business is. The well, first one coming on two things. Sure. First of all, you know, I am almost 66, and I, I do let a microwave finish its work before I can cut it off. <laughs> <laughs> it's there for a purpose. <laughs> I don't want to offend it. <laughs> Seriously. And, yet, you know, I'm thinking about all these events. I still remember the first color TV in our whole community mm-hmm. that we all gathered around. Not every, you know, house and everything. But you're right about the repetitive things and the changes. But, you know, you might be able to play this thing as a leader, the technological communications and all the downfalls it has. Because I'm 100% behind the idea that we have harmed our value and the meaning of communications by the technology that we have. Oh, definitely. You don't communicate feelings. You can't read a person's eyes. You can't listen behind the words and between the lines what a person's saying by reading the text, particularly when it's abbreviated language and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and how do you communicate feelings and meaning without underlining, bolding, and all that sort of stuff? You mean so LOL is not an emotion? Well, because <laughs> <laughs> some you know, it is. <laughs> so, you know, I always thought, I never knew what that stood for when I first started getting it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he, he really didn't. I, thought, I didn't know. Uh, anyway, but the, the other thing I was going to say is that you can play it to your advantage as a leader okay. if you understand that those are not great ways of communicating that a leader would want to so imagine this if instead of sending the email and you get it from your desk your work area whatever it might be walk to the person's office or walk to their desk area that act in itself simply says this is important mm-hmm. this is important so you capture a person's attention more readily than sending off an email 
I send Alan emails, and he doesn't read them till the end of the day, if then. He sent me one in, uh, yesterday, or the day before yesterday. He said, sorry for the delay. It was two and a half weeks ago. Well, now, two months. Have, I'm sorry, two months When you have ago. 320 emails in your inbox to respond to. But I'm your dad. I have to first. That's also part of the problem is the over overabundance of communication we get because of technology. That's so exactly it right. It's it easy it to do that. for certain things to rise to the top. Yep. So like you said, you go to somebody's office, sit down, and say you want to talk to them about something important. That rises, that, that raises that. That, that supersedes everything. That. Exactly. Yeah. So much more. And I think you can play that as a leader really well. Okay. When you want to get a sincere message across, you want to manage people's attention to the message rather than just the medium that you're mm-hmm. going through, then speak to them out of, you know, get, get in the well, let me, let me, But let me ask you guys a question. I'm going to play a little devil's advocate here. Okay. We're, we're, in a, we're in a world now where so many successful businesses that we hear about them growing are internet-based companies. Companies where you may have employees and people scattered all around the world working for these companies. Uh, you know, you've got Apple Computer has got thousands and thousands of employees and had a very charismatic leader. But I guarantee you Steve Jobs couldn't go talk to all the employees there face-to-face. Probably very few he had that direct connection with on a regular basis. Is it possible, in your guys' opinion, for a leader to be successful if they have fully embraced new technology ways of communicating and even if they're kind of stepping away from more of the traditional forms of communication, do you think a leader can be a successful leader in today's Internet age if they rely 100% on that technology to lead? I'm going to say no. I go back to having the personal relationship. Okay. And it's just not uh, – an email is just not personal. Okay. Um, if I write a letter to a client, I handwrite the letter. Mm-hmm. If, if it's going out, I don't type it. I don't email it. I send them a handwritten letter. It knows I took the time. They mattered enough for me to get out the pen and the paper and the stamp and send them a letter. Um, And I think they appreciate that. That would do wonders for people. I mean, that's just a a simple thank you. You know, when you meet somebody. What if you had to do 3,000 of those within a week? Yeah. You can't. No, it's not possible. I mean, sometimes you can't, but it it depends on the person. I mean, some some need that more than others. So I think you just have to be attuned and pay attention to – to who needs that and just know when when it's not the right time to have written communication that sometimes even if it's the phone well you know what i actually saw an email that was sent out uh, i don't know how it got publicized but and i forget which large internet company it was but it was an email from the ceo that went out to all the employees and what i really liked about it is yes there's thousands of employees there's no way he could have gone and spoke individually to each person and talk about where they're going as a company but he even said in the email Right off the bat, I would rather be doing this face-to-face, and I'm apologizing I can't. But unfortunately, we're the kind of company where half of us are around the world, around the country. But I think this is still an important message to get across. It's almost like he knew the limitations of technology and the communications. But he's going to play with that and let people know that this is still the way he would rather it be handled. Just starting off the letter that way, if you're presented with a situation like that, I think automatically tells people – you know what? I understand. There's physical yeah. Con- yeah. constraints from us being able to, to, for my leader to be able to talk to me the way he wants to, but I'm still getting the message I need to be getting. Well, I think that's a good step in the right direction. But also keep in mind, we're talking about these large organizations, and large organizations have levels of leadership True. that they should be entrusted to, to say. You communicate them not only the message, but the meaning behind it. You yes. know, and, and that's where we break down a lot of times. By the time the message get down to the troops. From this very charismatic leader like Steve Jobs, it's watered down so much. You know, so it doesn't you carry the same meaning. So if you didn't have extremely passionate mid-level leaders and department directors and supervisors back to the team. communicating mm-hmm. that same message, then it is going to get watered down and it's not going to work. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. I actually got a, an idea of how to throw it back on challenges that somebody may have, even, well, let's say, with a younger generation. Okay, You have an up-and-coming leader 
in corporate America. Mm-hmm. It's a little different when you have a you're, you know it's a small hometown company sure. that's been around or family operated. If you've got a large you know speaking of Apple you know or, or larger you know Fortune 500 Fortune you know 100 companies. One of the challenges I think they may have is you got to look at people coming up and what they see of corporate world. You got to think about what kid or children have seen as they're growing up to get into corporate world. You know, they've seen you know uh, all of the lies and and all of the mm-hmm. I don't, I'm trying to think of the right word, but you know all the corruption with Enron and AIG and Lehman they, Brothers. They see the bad side. They see the bad side. So how do yeah. you get them to be engaged? How do you get them to be actively involved and and want to be a, you know part of the team? When that's all they're waiting for is what, when's it going to happen? When when are we going to have this? You know, that's another challenge that you may have as a leader. There's a lack of trust. There's a dis, disenchantment with what they see happening. Exactly. That type of thing. Yeah. Well, that's, that's well, that was exactly. going to be a question I throw back to the two of you is uh, being a generational generational question. Mm-hmm. Hipker Young Professionals is about getting young professionals in the community that want to be take on leadership roles, whether it's serving on boards, be active in the community to help to help engage them and get them out and about. Right. And are, do you see fewer and fewer younger professionals in the workforce that want to take on leadership roles, or are they merely there to collect the paycheck, instant gratification, just pay for, you know? Well, I'd be curious to hear, Dad, your, your perspective. I want to hear you first because you and I talked about that driving back from we did. our talk a while mm-hmm. ago. You give me your perspective. I'm going to come at it from a different angle. Well, so. I, I think – I think here in this local area, yeah, I'd love to see more more individuals step into future leadership roles or try to gear themselves for leadership. I think across the nation, what I've noticed is that partly because of the internet, partly because of communication styles and technology, we've got a lot more people that are less willing to be part of a group company. They're either more entrepreneurial in spirit or want to be doing things more as an individual personality as opposed to being tied to a corporation or company. I think that's partly that we've encouraged that society to be more entrepreneurial, almost to the point where most everybody thinks that's what they want to do when they get out of school now. It's go start their own thing or go do their own thing or be a blogger or be set up their own website and build their own company. So I see a little bit less willingness to be a part of the corporate system that I think a lot of people see that as. I'm a little concerned about future leadership for society just because, you know, we are still going to have companies. We're still going to have big businesses and big organizations that employ a lot of people. Uh, I do think we're seeing less and less percentage-wise of people rising through the workforce that want to be that top-level leader of a large organization. We're seeing more and more of those want to go out and do their own individual thing. Um, I don't know. That, that's just the perception I'm getting with it. But I know it's a much bigger issue than just what we see here in Hickory around us. So. Right. I share that concern because uh, there are too many models out there that people can't look, cannot look to and say, boy, I want to be a part of that company. Uh, yeah. Think of all the banking stuff that we've had going on over the years uh, and all the disenchantment that's now come out. What, what that was the word I was looking for. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we get get inundated with all this stuff that where messages and communications, all that, are postured, you know. And even politicians, and politicians are probably the worst, where you have to soundbite things and things taken out of context and all that. It's really a matter of trust. You know, I think good leaders who really want to lead well need also to be trusting of their organizations that they want to lead in. You know, and when you don't have that trust there, when that organization's not supporting you, you're not going to have optimal leadership from people in the leadership roles. I share a concern 20 years down the road. I mean, you guys are talking about our 
gaps in generations now and also the technology problems. But think about a generation down the road when all that generation has known in the workforce then is electronic communication. Mm -hmm. Where are we going to be? I mean, I don't know what it's going to be like. And I'm kind of fearful of what it might be. Because I think we gear towards teaching the technology and teaching all that, that we lose sight of the face-to-face. Um, I went to school. I'm originally from Maryland, and I went to school there, and it was a small school, Salisbury University. Mm. And every single class that I took there, it didn't matter what it was, we had to do presentations yep. in front of the class. Mm-hmm. And I dreaded it. I hated it. A lot of people dreaded it. But... It didn't matter whether it was a communications 101 class or an accounting class. Getting people up to talk in front of other people is going to help them succeed so much more than learning your debit and your credit in accounting. Um, So it's just, I think, that extra. I don't know. So it's big, bad? It goes back to... Is big, bad? No, not necessarily. It's gotten a bad rap right now, I think, out in the world. And I think people are a lot more critical of big organizations than they've ever been. But... That's not to say that a big organization can't be a very successful organization with the right leadership and the right values well, put in place. You know, the, the organization, that l- the large organization's only successful is its, is its many parts. Mm-hmm. I always advise leaders of a department, the department director or manager of the department, say, treat your department as it's a totally different company. You know, treat it as your own entrepreneurial mm-hmm. company. And you do the right things as a leader with 45 people or 30 people rather than 5,000 people. Don't worry about that, you know? Sure, there's certain corporate things that have to be done certain ways, but you've got control over that immediate leadership environment True. and make it, make it work there. Mm-hmm. I think what you were talking about with making people kind of get out of their comfort zone, mm-hmm. you know, when you demand excellence of somebody, they're kind of really making them kind of get out of their comfort zone for certain yeah. people. Yep. So that's going to help them better themselves as a person, not, yeah. not only as an employee, but also as a person. Yeah. And that's people's biggest fear, public well, that, speaking. That is one, th- one fear I have, even with school systems. I always get happy when I hear my 10-year-old son is being told that he has to speak in front of the group and give a presentation because that's, that's we've life. Got to, we've <laughs> got to push them out of their comfort zone a little bit more. And I think sometimes technology makes it so easy for everybody to settle into their comfort zone to get work done. You know, uh, my, my, that is funny. My niece is, actually, I've got to tell you this before I forget. My niece, I actually saw this past weekend, and uh, <laughs> we were joking about the fact that you know, she's taking a, a college, at, a class at a local college there, and it was a marketing class, and she had her laptop open. She's like, yes, I'm getting ready to take my test. It's an open computer uh, book test <laughs> that I just can have to do sometime in the next few days. I'm like, really? So you have your internet up. You can just take this test. Like that's basically we're putting people in their comfort zone. It's like go search on the web and find these answers. Put them in there. Right, and if you don't pass, that's what makes me a little nervous. (laughs) The the comfort stepping them out of the comfort zone is putting them in a room with no other resources. And what did you learn? Tell me what you've learned. That's out of your comfort zone. Being in front of the computer using Google to get the answers for a test. That's playing right into the people's mm-hmm. wheelhouse. Of but you can take a master's program entirely online now and not even see a person. I know. And that's kind of scary. It is a little scary. I, not to, not to, to slight those programs. I, I think they teach good things. So people want. That, we are playing but, to people's preferences. Mm-hmm. And I think what you guys are saying is sometimes we've got to get people outside oh, of their that preference to make them to feel challenged. You know, and uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think I can kind of touch a little bit on what you were saying with being able to take an open internet core or open internet test you know you got to think about this one thing that i always thought is funny is uh, if you take a look at things nowadays somebody let's just say 50 and up uh, (laughs) they always (laughs) no pun intended got me a little slack here um 50 and up they know everybody's telephone number 
You got to think about it. They know their children. They know their relatives. <laughs> they know their friends. Telephone numbers. I don't know my parents' telephone number. I don't know my if it's not if, if it's not in my phone. Shame on you people. Yeah. If it's not in my phone, I don't know it. Yeah. Wow. So you know the way that kind of technology has affected you. But also I read something just a few weeks ago that says we take in 2,000 times more information per day mm-hmm. now than people did in the 50s. Sure. So you are going to lose that information. So, yeah. Yeah. It may be that it's it's a scary thought, but that may be how people are taking their SATs wow. in, in in twenty years is because all the information that they process they can't physically retain it. I'm giving a presentation tomorrow night actually on what the internet is doing to our brain. A book uh, that uh, Lenoran University has got as their big read right now, and I'm supposed to talk for uh, an hour or two about what the internet is doing for us as people and businesses and relationships. And this idea, that, you know, yes, it's great that we have this gigantic external brain that we don't have to remember every phone number we don't have to remember all these things but there's actually proof to show that by doing that our brains are not functioning like they used to be because memorization and storing those things is actually something that keeps our brain elastic and moving and it is stagnating a little bit you don't have to retain that information as long as you know where to go get it at this point google's address and how to type you're going to find the answer well i just noticed the other day i was entering in my password and my husband said what's the password again for the computer i said i don't know he said didn't you just do it a minute ago Mm -hmm. i said yeah but i just do it because it's just in and it's and we don't we don't remember a lot of things we just do it It well you just proved my point why I think 65 year olds brains are more active than (laughs) (laughs) I may have let me give you a piece of information out of your talk tomorrow night okay and you guys as well this is is true from a study I wish I brought it up earlier but you you talk so much about communication and how much of that capacity to communicate well that we lose because of technology and all that studies have been done over the years about we're effective in our communication through three medium or three Ways, mm-hmm. one of which is by the words we choose to use. Okay, well, that's one of route to be effective. We choose the right words, said that type of thing. Second one is how we say those words, mm-hmm. and what I'm talking about there are those things where we punctuate the way we say words with us and size and you knows and like sort of stuff. Like, yeah, that did very, very kind of right, right in there, Brian. And the third one is how we look as we say those words. How we look. Right now. Think about this. Oh, I know these Each of those, yes, you do. Each of those three contribute certain percentage to our effectiveness as a communicator. One of those contributes seven percent of our effectiveness as a communicator. Either words we choose to use, how we say those words, or how we look as we say those words. Seven percent. One of them contributes thirty-eight percent. The other one contributes the remaining fifty-five percent. Now, the test that you guys have right now before you. All right, Todd. What do you think is Contributing 55% of our effectiveness as a communicator. How we use, how we use those words. How we, use, how we say the how we, words. Yeah, how good, we present good, them. Good choice. All right. What about you, Brian? 7%. Which one counts for 7%, you think? The words you choose to use. Words you choose to use. And what about 38%? What would you say, Erica? Would you, it's the only one left. And see, that's that memory thing. <laughs> I can't remember it because I was thinking about that 7%. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, 7% is right, and that's scary if you think about it. Words we choose to use count for 7%. And yet, our kids in school today, since we're talking about education, what are they learning today? They're learning those words, how to spell the words, how to connect them to sentences, you know, how to spell the words and those types of things. But I guarantee you, nobody, unless they take debate and that type of thing, which Alan did, which I'm really proud of him for doing yes. in high school. <laughs> champion. Champion later. <laughs> that, how we look as we speak accounts for 55% of our effectiveness as a communicator. How we look? How we look. Not the words. 38% is how we say the words. 
But you think about it. What do we lose when we're on the telephone, when we're on the Internet, when we're, you know, we're texting? We're losing yep. over half of our uh, More than half of our potential effectiveness. So either we've got to compensate for that somehow or accept the fact, well, we're just going to be poor communicators. Yeah, look at look – at, Just Skype it. Yeah. <laughs> look, look, look at good motivational speakers or, or life coaches. They command your attention. Yes. Whenever, whenever you're listening to them, they are commanding your attention. They're making sure that you're interacting. Mm-hmm. And the best commu- – you know, the best uh, motivators are people who kind of in- involve their, their audience. I mean, we, yeah, we've all right. seen some speeches by those motivational speakers where – the words they're saying are pretty common. Yeah. I mean, it's nothing revolutionary, but it's just you've all heard it before. The powerful way they're saying right. it and the way they present themselves makes all the difference. That's what engages us as a, as a, as a listener to this. Yeah, um, I, I think this is exactly what I wanted to hear us talk about because I think communications is the biggest thing that we're seeing over the generations change and put some challenges to us. But I'm also going to close out with the same comment I'm going to use tomorrow night in my presentation. Oh, okay, is that is this practice time for a the little bit? Okay. I'm kind of warming this up. My thing is, yes, the internet, technology, all these styles are making it more difficult to be an effective leader. But it's still up to us as a society how we work with them or around them to be effective. We can't just say, well, because that technology is there, all of a sudden we're now hampered as leaders. It makes our job more interesting. It makes our job more challenging. Mm -hmm. How do we lead when we've got this roadblock in front of us, which is this big technology hurdle that we have to overcome? It does make a challenge, but it's no different a challenge than I think as a society – we had to deal with when uh, words started being put in printed form, yeah. as opposed to listening to people speak in, uh, uh, in just an audience situation. You know, we've always had these communication challenges get thrown at us. The internet is a pretty big one. Technology is a pretty big one, but it just gives us another opportunity as society to say, "All right, how do we work around this and still be effective leaders?" You know. Mm-hmm. So I look at it more as a challenge as opposed to it's something that makes it really tough to be a leader. It does, but it's also a fun challenge to try to take on. How can we lead in the digital age when we're dealing with a whole different style of communication from those people in high school and college and college graduates now? So yeah. it's an interesting challenge. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Well, you said yeah, I'll your, keep it for tomorrow night. Then. Well, I was going to say, you said in your presentation that leading is not necessarily just given. Uh, it's yeah. got to be worked at um, and, and, and developed. So this yeah. is just that another might be part of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. We've got to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Leadership is a crafted art. And it's just something that doesn't come naturally. You've got to craft it and work it and refine it every day. That's right. Guys, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up because I think we've kept you long enough and we really appreciate all the dialogue we've had. And That's just, a great session. Let's, let, let me go back around and make sure everybody gets a chance to remind everybody who they are and where they're with. Erica, remind everybody again who you are and know the company you're with. I'm Erica Brown, and I'm a senior audit manager at Martin Starnson Associates, and we're located here in Hickory. Great. Glad to have you here, Erica. Brian? Brian Dingler with Clark Tire. I'm a business development manager. We're located here in Hickory as well. Great. Wonderful. And Todd? Todd Ashworth with Renaissance Financial Managers. Ashworth? Uh, Ashworth. (laughs) Ashworth. Uh, Check us out at www.rfmhickory.com. All right. I'm Alan Jackson. With me is Tony Jackson, as always. So we've got the jacksongroup.com is where you can go to learn more about what we do on the survey and consulting world. And then driveleadership.com is Tony's program on Drive Leadership where he works with organizations specifically on the idea of taking a group of people that want to hone and develop their leadership skills and helping them move that organization forward. Do a lot of individual coaching and minimizing training, but going the coaching role. Yeah, I think we, because we definitely think the needs are so unique from person to person that sometimes just throwing a blanket yep. training on it's not always going to get the needs. Doesn't always want. get there. Good. Special thanks to Greater Hickory Classic Golf Tournament coming up October 8th through the 14th at Rock Barn Golf and Spa. Check them out on the web, uh, look them up, and come visit us. If you're in town for the tournament, 
I'm saying this last time. I'm saying it again. If you come to into uh, North Carolina just for this tournament, you have to let us know. We'll find you a spot somewhere on one of our shows to come in and be a guest. I don't Absolutely. care what you do. We'll find a way to have you on board. If you come into North Carolina just for this tournament and you're a listener to the show, uh, let us know. We want to hear from you. Hickory Young Professionals can be found at hickoryhyp.com where you can learn more about that group. Uh, again, we're on The Mesh at themesh.tv for more information on the network as well as all of the other shows we have available. Uh, Brian, one thing of interest to you, you talked a lot about customer service. We actually have a show on The Mesh called Stepping Up Service, mm-hmm. which is every month talking about customer service practices and ideas. So mm-hmm. you may want to pass it along to some of your team as well. Definitely. A good so. partner firm down in Charlotte called Customer Service Solutions. Yeah, really yeah. good to work with yeah. on that. Well, great. Thank you so much for joining us today on this special episode of Leadership GPS. Special thanks to Hickory Young Professionals for helping us out. And we'll look forward to talking to everybody next time. Take care. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.